Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. As a, denom- as a member of the Foursquare family, the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel, there's thousands of churches around the world that we've been participating with our, our Foursquare leadership in prayer and fasting, and so it has been a, a wonderful time. We're going to continue that series today. We've been looking at the prayers of the Apostle Paul, and uh, today we're going to shift to one of my heroes. We're going to jump back to the Old Testament and I just love this hero of the Old Testament. Uh, you, you may have heard of him before. We're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about a man named Elijah. Elijah. And we're going to look at some powerful prayers in Scripture. That's really what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. And if, if you're familiar with Scripture, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this man, Elijah, this prophet. He, he seems, he's like a, a larger-than-life hero to me. It seems like, uh, um, anybody remember the old Batman where there was uh, uh, Jim Gordon and he, he would pick up that red phone, and, and I don't know why I just thought of this, but I had this image of, remember anytime there was trouble, he would pick up the bat phone and who would he call? Uh, yeah, come on, church, I know, it's like, we're like, we're just tired from worship or we're tired from too much, too much football yesterday. Um, no, I don't think we, we, we can never have too much football, can we? That's a good time to say amen over there, right, my, my fantasy football aficionados? Well, uh, we're, we're going to talk about prayer, and we're going to talk about Elijah, and, and he kind of, it feels like he's got this bat phone type access to the Lord. It seems like he always has, to me, it feels like Elijah has this inside scoop on what God plans to do, on how God plans to move, on what God intends to do, and he's a man that, that I believe, one of the reasons uh, this is the case is because I believe he's a man that understood how to pray. He, he's a man that understood how to get into God's presence. And so we're going to talk today a little bit more about prayer. We believe as, as Christians, the Bible tells us that prayer is, is God's mechanism. It's God's plan. It's God's device to connect his children to him. It, it, it's the connecting advice that, device that, that, would you write this down? God uses prayer to connect the invisible to the visible. That's how God functions in the heavenlies. The Bible says this, Isaiah chapter 65, Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24, it says, even before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. And there's so much we could get into with that verse alone um, when, we, when we talk about God's plan and his intentions. But I love this prayer. Before I call, before you call, the Bible says, he says, there's a promise, I will answer. Prayer is, is a, a way for us to spend time with God the Father. Prayer doesn't necessarily make something happen, but it's the, it's the mechanism God uses to grab something out of the spiritual and usher it into the physical. Someone say amen, right? And we think about that, it's, it's God uses prayer to usher something out of the spiritual and meet the physical. Because many times if we look around our culture, if we look around our world, if we look at our sin nature, many times we are suffering physical illness, physical things, but usually behind uh, sin, 
right? Usually behind most physical problems, there is a problem going on in the spiritual. And so we're going to begin with a couple verses today. Do you have a Bible? Would you open it up to 1 Kings? And we're going to look at a, a quick verse in chapter 17, and then you're going to flip a page. We're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 18 most of the day today. So you can kind of just camp out right there. Do you have a smartphone? Will you turn it on? Open that Bible up. If you have the, how many of us have the, the real thing you like flipping through the pages? There we go. Let's open it up, 1 Kings chapter 17. And we're going to look at a fascinating period in the life of this prophet named Elijah. You ready to get into the Word? We're a quiet crowd today. I say, are, are you ready? Are you ready, right? I feel like I'm going to get like, like Triple H. I'm going to be like, are you ready? And any children of the 90s, you know what I mean. And if you don't know, you need to know, right? I'm kidding. Here we go. This is a tongue twister. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe, uh, he said to Ahab, who was the king, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And we could break this down a little bit, but how many of you, um, I don't envy, a little bit of context on this story. Elijah is a man tasked with delivering unpleasant news to a powerful person. How many of you, like, think about that at work, think about that in your life, think about that as kids when we, I remember sometimes being a kid being like, oh, somebody's gonna have to tell dad when he gets home, Right? How many of us can relate to that feeling? Like, uh, but uh, Elijah has to tell the, the leader of a nation, the king Ahab, some news that, I'll, I'll be honest, quite frankly, I wouldn't be too interested in sharing this, this news, this prayer that God has let Elijah in, right? This isn't the typical news I would want to share with a leader. But the Bible tells us there's a, a sense of disobedience going on in Israel at this time. And, and Elijah is tasked with a, a difficult message to give, and he says this, and, and he says, it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain. And, and, and uh, we might think of that in Las Vegas like we live in the desert, although it has been a little rainy lately, but we might look at it today and go, big deal. Never rains in Vegas. It's all good, right? Like it's, it's a big deal. We might think of this and just kind of be like, what do, you, what do you mean? So for us today, kind of thinking like, how can I relate to this scripture a little bit? But years before, God had warned the people of Israel, and he, he had given them actually a, a wonderful promise a promise of blessing, a promise of abundance, a promise of wealth. But with this promise, he said, be careful when he spoke to Moses. He said, tell the people, be careful that they don't turn away from me. He said, I'm going to have a covenant relationship with you, but be, be, be very careful that you don't turn away to other gods, that you don't turn away and just do what you want to do, that you, that you be careful that you, you know what I think God wants from us? I think God would just say, don't put me second. Don't put me second in your life. Don't put me second in, in your serving time. Don't put me second in your finances. Don't put me second in your prayer life. Don't put me second in any area. God wants to be that, that priority all the time. But God had warned the Israelites, don't you turn to other gods. And the reality what happened was Israel was very unfaithful. They broke their covenant to the Lord over and over. And Elijah is tasked with telling the king of some judgment now. You know, has anybody read the Old Testament and sometimes if, if you love movies like, like Tombstone, uh, you, you love some movies where there's just some good old-fashioned justice, you will love the Old Testament, right? Because it almost feels like in some ways there's, there's a sense where God is just so 
forgiving and graceful and merciful in the New Testament. And it's the most amazing news because of Jesus. But there is a sense where in the Old Testament we read over and over. You know what I find interesting in the Old Testament is many times when something happens, the Bible says God did it. Bible says that God, right, that God stopped the rain, that God said that God allowed these people, right, and that a lot of times for us as Christians, that doesn't, that doesn't really go with our Western culture, right, like version of how Christianity should work, right? A lot of times the Bible's like, no, God caused this to happen. A lot of times we want to be like, well, the devil made me do it, right? The devil did it. The enemy did it, right? But in the Old Testament, we see very often it says, no, God allowed something to happen. And Elijah says, king, God's wrath is coming for you and for the nation. King, starvation is coming. Economic collapse is coming. Uh, uh, what, what, and, and, and it's crazy. People are going to starve. People are going to suffer. There's a drought on the way. And what seems to be a short page later, if you have your Bible, would you just flip to chapter 18? Because it's just, you know, we read the Bible and it seems like, oh my gosh, all right, Chapter 18, verse 1, now God says something totally different to the prophet Elijah. Look at what he says. Same person makes this statement. After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab. And he says, now I will send rain on the land. So so chapter 17, uh, it's not going to rain. Chapter 18, what feels like a quick page, a quick turn of the page, it's it's now going to rain, and what we see quickly is a little bit more time has passed than it takes for us just to turn the page, right? But Elijah, he reaches back to a truth that he knows about his God, and he goes to the book of Deuteronomy. If you have a Bible, would you open up Deuteronomy chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 13, but God leads Elijah in this message that's found in Scripture, and, and Elijah applies this truth many years later from God's word. You ready to hear what God says? This is some unbelievable, this is an amazing promise, but it's a promise based on a premise. It's a, a promise based on a premise of covenant relationship, of obedience, of honoring, of making God first. So let's read about this in verse 13, because 13 to 15 is, is my kind of scripture. It's the kind of scriptures I love to read. It's the kind of scriptures that make me feel good, that make me sleep well at night. And, it, and it's like, oh, blessing, 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 blessing. I love it. Ready? Let's read it together. So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather your grain, new wine and olive oil. Verse 15, I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat, and you will be satisfied. How many of us would agree that sounds cool, right? If we were to apply that today, it's like full bank accounts, full, full everything, retirement's looking good. There's no such thing as a recession, right? If we applied that today, I'm a fan of verse 13 to 15. Anybody love those verses? I wish we all, right? But here we go. What tends to happen is we enjoy God's blessing, and then very often we get distracted. We can relate to seasons, like we, we enjoy God's blessing, but we get distracted by, oh, by treasure, by things, by the world, by sin. But here we go, verse 16. Would you read it with me? Be careful. Would you turn to someone, right? Be careful. How many of you know the Old Testament, God's word speaks to us today? And maybe some of us just need to hear, we could just hear these two words and be like, you know what, I'm, 
I heard you, I heard you loud and clear, God. I can walk out, I'm good. The Bible says, be careful. Or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Right? We talk about you know, other gods, well, uh, uh, we, we could get, I mean, this could be a whole different message, but my goodness, what are the little g idols in our life? What are the little g things that steal our attention? The Bible says, be careful. Watch out. Be careful. And then I love this word. It says, you will be enticed to turn away. Think of like a, a, a fishing term. Think of when you're, when you're trying to catch something and you're just, you're throwing out what? Whatever you decide to use as a lure, you're throwing out some bait to catch something. The Bible says, be careful that you're not distracted. You'll be enticed to worship other gods, to bow down to them. And here we go. Look what happens. Here's, here's another promise God gives when we are enticed, when we bow down to other gods, when we are distracted, when we don't make God number one. He's very clear. Then this is going to happen, which I don't like, verse 17. Can we say that, right? We lie, right? It's like, oh man, here we go. When this happens, the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain, and the ground will yield no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. What I love about this message, Elijah is, is reaching back into the Old Testament. He's reaching back into the Pentateuch, Deuteronomy, and he is talking about God's truth that he already knows. He references God's truth in dealing with King Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 17. To put it plainly, God's, Elijah's message was directly tied to God's word. Would you write that down this morning? Elijah's message to King Ahab was directly tied to God's word. It was the foundation of his message. It was the foundation of this truth spoken by the prophet Elijah. Number one, would you write this down? When it comes to prayer... And this, this one, I, when I was studying this week, this one, watch out, this one just kind of hits you. Well, it hit me, all right? You guys are like, what is wrong with you? This one hit me. You ready for it? Number one, would you write this down? We often pray general, generally because we don't know God's word specifically. Somebody said, ouch, I would, I would second that ouch. We often pray generally because we don't know God's word specifically. And sadly, that hits home many, many times for us. It's like this, these prayers that, you know what, they're sweet prayers when we're babies. God, bless me. Help me have a good night's sleep. No bad dreams. That new car, bless me. Bless, God, help me. Help me on this, whatever it is, which of course, our prayers can be very vague. But man, if we are, 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 are Christ followers that, you know, and, and I've never done this in my life, but, you know, we sit down at Chick-fil-A, and it's Sunday, so watch out. You can't go there today. But what if, if we sit down at Chick-fil-A, and we order a number one, and we, let's, let's go big. Let's make it a large fry. Let's go a large soda. How about some, like, how about, if you go to Chick-fil-A, you got to get at least, like, four sauces, right? Uh, no? Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. You all know what Chick-fil-A is, Right? Take your pick. I don't know. Are you more of a Popeye's crowd? But, you know, and on top of that, you decide to like, you know, not only am I going to XL size this, I'm going to also, let's throw in a large shake as well. We often, sometimes we have these such, we get in the habit of praying to God so general, generally, like I hope we don't sit down at that meal and then at that meal we say, God, would you bless this food to my body? 
Some of us are like, right? Like it's like we're so, we're so afraid to pray for people for like healing. We're scared to like pray that God would heal someone. But it takes, I think it takes more faith to be like, God bless this 4,000 calorie carbohydrate loaded meal to my body. Bless it. Bless it to our bodies. Like, right, we pray, we pray so generally because we don't know God's word specifically. And, and, and I'll encourage you, because, and I'll be honest, like, I'm throwing my, I've done this before. That's when I go to Chick-fil-A, I like to stick to the line where I say, God, bless our conversation. <laughs> right? I like to use that one because I'm already getting food guilt when I sit down, right? God, bless our conversation. That we would honor people with the way we talk. Thank you that we get to hang out. Thank that we have money that we can, you know, that we can, that we can eat here today. Oh, goodness. We pray very genuinely, generally, because we don't know God's word specifically. James chapter 5, would you jump into the New Testament with me? A lot of, is it okay if we go through a lot of scripture today? Can we jump New Testament, Old Testament? We're going all over. And this is on the, the Cornerstone app if you need to follow along as well. Just jump into our media section and you can follow along with our sermon notes. But verse 16 of James chapter 5, therefore confess your sins to each other. And he says to the body, he says, pray for each other. This is James speaking to the church. He said, pray so that you may be healed. And I love this prayer. Would you underline this? Would you circle it in your Bible? It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. The the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. And then he goes on. He says, not only is it powerful, it's, it's effective. The prayer of a righteous person, a fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective. And then look at this. James does what Elijah did in the Old Testament. James jumps all the way back to the Old Testament and he mentions possibly maybe this was a hero of his and James says this about Elijah. Would you look at verse 17 with me? He says, Elijah was a human being like us. He was a human being even as we are. How many of you ever met like somebody that you've seen on television or someone that was like a hero, a childhood hero of yours. I remember I was a kid and and somebody from our church took me to Dyersville, Iowa, and I got to meet a man at like 12 years old. His name was Lou Brock. Anybody remember that guy? Five of us, 10 of us. No, somebody. And I got to meet this man. I'm, I'm 12. I had no idea who this guy was. He gave me his phone number. I leave this fantasy, this camp, this baseball camp, and he says, well, call me anytime, Joey. And I get home and I tell my dad I met this guy, Lou Brock, and my dad's like, I'm a, I like grew up a Cardinal fan and like, I loved him. And I show him this phone number and, I'm, and, and I call it and my dad's like, there's no way this is really this guy's number, <laughs> right? He probably, he's just gonna ghost you. So I call him from our kitchen table and this guy picks up the phone and I start having a conversation with the, one of the all-time base stealers of baseball, this Hall of Famer, this man, Lou Brock, just starts talking to me, and my dad is sitting there just like awestruck, like he is on the phone with Lou Brock. He's 12 years old. He's on the phone with a Hall of Famer, and I'm just sitting there. I have no idea how amazing this is because to me, I was like, Lou Brock was just a really nice old guy at a fantasy camp. I mean, I mean right? He's just like us. He seemed really cool. I, I, nice guy. But to my dad, this man was like a living legend. I think sometimes we, we put our, our legends on these pedestals where we don't realize, the Bible says, Elijah, turn to someone and say, he was just like me. Elijah was just like us. This is James. He says, he was just like us even as we are. Let's finish this verse, verse 17. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, 
and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Um, I, I said earlier there's only one page that separates 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, but we know from the book of James, we know from Scripture, it's about a three and a half year time period where there is no rain. So in one chapter, God says this message is not going to rain, you're not going to be blessed. The next chapter, God says the skies are going to open up and it's time to rain. What on earth happens in the in-between? And that can be a section of Scripture. It's one of the most amazing chapters in the Bible, chapter, chapter 17 and 18, where you can jump into it. But I'm going I'm to talk about it really quick because we don't have time today. But what, what caused the rain to stop and what caused the rain to start? right? Well, here's, here's the long and short of it is the rain came, the change came, the blessing came when the issue of idolatry was addressed. Did you catch that? And what, we, what you'll find if you read this chapter during the week, which, hey, that would be some great homework in your, in your, in your downtime, what came, the issue of the Israelites and their, their, their Baal worship, their worship of Asherah, their worship of little G's, little G gods, their worship changed, their sin was addressed, and so God allowed the rain to come back. Would you write this down? Number two, we often pray for God to send rain, and in this case we say, I call them blessings. We often pray for God to send rain called blessings without wanting God to change our lives. How many of us, a little bit of, we can relate to that. We often pray for God's covering, for God's anointing, for God's blessing, but we don't really want to change, do we? We, we like to leave out the, the holiness part, right? We like to, to leave that part out. We want the rain, but we still want our little G's. We want the rain, but we still want our, our idols just a little bit. So even though God stopped the rain, and then even though God sent the rain, here we go. Here, here's what I want us to think about today. None of it happened until Elijah prayed. So let's think about, let's get into this prayer discussion. Let's talk about how he prayed. Let's talk about what he said, which lines up the book of James. The, James tells us the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I think sometimes we wonder if we can have impact just like these heroes in Scripture. We wonder if we can have impact just like these amazing champions in God's Word that we read about. And, and, and James would tell us absolutely Right? He would say, because God said it, James wrote it down. He'd say, we can have impact just like Elijah. After all, James says, Elijah was just like us. That's what the scripture says. He, he wasn't Superman, right? He, he, my guess is Elijah probably even looked like a bit of an outsider. Like the way he's described, he probably looks like a little bit of a, a different guy, like a little bit of a crazy man, right? But would you underline that in your Bibles? He was just like you. He was just like you, and he prayed earnestly, and he prayed earnestly. First Kings chapter 18, would you turn the page with me? And we're going to skip ahead a few verses, and we're going to jump to verse 41, but what you'll find in those first 40 verses, can I say it like this? Um, it's one of the most exciting 40 verses in Scripture if you like violence. Well, you guys are looking at me like, anybody with me on that? These, like you can read, I'm not gonna, we're not going to get into it today. We got, we got places to be and things to do. We got a time limit. But if you, if you like a story of some action, 
If you like a story of God moving and things doing, oh my goodness, this is a chapter for you. And so I encourage you to read it. But it, this, this chapter follows Elijah into conflict. It follows him into a mountaintop conflict where he takes on, I could say it, almost an army of prophets. The Bible says 850 Baal-worshipping, Asherah-worshipping prophets. And, and Elijah calls them all up to the mountain for a contest. Right? We're going to watch some football the next couple weeks. The Super Bowl's coming up. And we're all going to watch and see who's the real deal. Well, Elijah in this chapter, he basically calls out these little G gods. He calls out these 850 prophets. And all alone, he says, I'm going to challenge all y'all. And we're going to see whose God is the real deal. I remember, who was it? I think it was Evander Holyfield. Remember his nickname was Evander the Real Deal? Holyfield, that was kind of the moment. Elijah says, who's the real deal? We're going to find out. And, and as I summarize this story, these 850 prophets, they have a competition and they say, you know what, have your God call down fire. Have him, have him do all these different things and have him, have him burn up this sacrifice. And long story short, it doesn't go well for the 850. But it goes pretty well for Elijah. Elijah... <laughs> He talks a little smack during the ball game. He, he taunts them a little bit. And then he does something that's so crazy. He, ha- he prepares his sacrifice. And after he prepares it, he has them drench everything with water three times. But look at this prayer. If you, if you go with me, I, didn't, I don't think this is in your notes, but would you look at verse 37 really quick? 1 Kings chapter 18, I believe this is verse 37. Let's look at this prayer from Elijah. What I want to look is the heart, something he said specifically. Answer me, O Lord, so these people will know that you are God. And would you underline this second half? Here's the intent. Here's his heart's desire. And that you are turning their hearts back again. I love that prayer. He doesn't say, answer me, O God, so I look cool. Answer me, O oh God, so I, I can get more money. Answer me, O oh God, so I can just, t- I, me, 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 I, I, I. He says, answer me, God, because they need to know something. They need to know that you are the big G, <laughs> and they need to know that it's you. Do something. You're going to turn their hearts back to you. My goodness, is that a prayer that each of us, I think, need to pray daily, weekly, monthly for our, our families, our, our community, our city, our nation? When the world is spinning out of control, where do we turn? Elijah says, answer me, God, because they're going to know, they need to know it's you turning their hearts back. That's the intent of his prayer. I, I think I said this um, a few years ago. It's, it's difficult when we pray because sometimes we can just feel like our prayers aren't being answered. I remember one of my daughters asked me that a long time, a, a couple years ago. She said something, it was like, um, she said, Daddy, how do you hear God talking? Has anybody ever had your kid ask you that? Any parents in the house? Your parents, you talk about prayer, right? And, and one of my daughters asked me, God, how do you hear God talking? But then she said something be, after that. And I remember she said this, she said, I try really hard to hear him speaking, but I don't hear anything. How many of us can relate to that question of a six-year-old? God, I, I try really hard to hear you speaking, but I don't hear 
anything. And I think the reality is each of us, if we're honest, have asked this question. When you hear, when you hear someone speak about prayer, it's like that's well and good, but I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything, God. How, it's like you, you're, I think each of us, maybe, maybe there was a time in your life, but it's very, very rare, if ever, that, rare that we hear an audible voice, is it? Maybe sometimes that happens, right? And it, I wish, God, you would just do that all the time. But that's so rare, if, if it ever happens. But here's how I think, and I remember trying to explain this to a young one, and how many of you know it's our job as parents to continue to teach them, to continue to teach them as they become teenagers, as they mature, so they're spiritually not still little kids, right? That's, that's in Scripture. But here's how we hear God speak. Would you write a few of these things down? We hear God speak, we hear God's voice when we position ourselves close to him. When we position ourselves close to him, when we get in proximity with him. We're going to see a little bit more about Elijah because there's many times we've all been like, God, are you there? God, I'm praying. My, my prayers, you're not answering. You're not listening. My prayers, it's, I'm trying really, really hard. I'm being patient. And maybe you've been here today, and maybe you're watching online. You've been praying really, really hard for something. You've been talking to God about something, and it's just a thud. I like to say sometimes it feels like our prayers just bounce off the wall, and they come right back to us. There's many of us here today, even the sound of my voice, said, God, would you take this chronic pain away? God, would you heal my sister? She's, right, uh, my sister has epilepsy. Maybe some of you, you've been praying for years. God, would you heal this sadness in my heart, this depression in my life, this brokenness that I have inside me? You've been praying, God, would you heal that addiction in my loved one? God, would you break that influence of alcohol in my family? Some of us have been praying these big prayers for years and years and years, and you've asked this question, God, are you even listening? Elijah, he prays these confident, these bold, these radical, almost even they seem like crazy prayers at times. Can we read a little bit about this today before we, before we close? 1 Kings 18, verse 41. This is after the victory takes place. Um, a couple verses before Let's just say it like this. I mean, I'm going to try to keep this PG, but those 850 prophets, they've been taken out and taken care of. All right? Elijah has won the battle. His God has come through. God actually, like fire falls from the sky, and God takes care of business. And then Elijah, at that moment, begins to pray. And this is where we're going to pick up this story right here in verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, who is the king, he said, Ahab, king, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. I love that. He says, I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. I, I think it's interesting. James says this. He says, Elijah was just like us, but when we get into this scripture, Elijah says, I hear a rainstorm coming, but in the following verses, we're going to read that there's absolutely not a cloud in the sky. I was looking outside before I walked in today. Vegas looked this way, right? We get this often in Vegas. It's super sunny. I didn't see a single cloud in the sky. I think that's kind of the image that I want us to, to kind of think of when we read Scripture today. We read the following verses. But Elijah says, I hear a thunderstorm a coming. Why is it Elijah heard something that no one else heard? 
Did we catch that? Elijah picks up on, he picks up on something that no one else was aware of, that no one else heard, and I believe it's his proximity to God that allowed him to hear what other people were incapable of hearing. Let's continue. Verse 42. So Ahab, the king's going to go do what kings do. He's going to eat and drink. He's going to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed low. He bowed low to the ground. And, And think of this really quick. He bowed low to the ground and he prayed with his face between his knees. So a lot of us, I mean, I'll spare us the visual because that just wouldn't look pretty if I got down and did this right now. But how many of you, how many of you, men and women, you're sitting in your chair, a lot of us, we got our arms around our beautiful loved one or whatever, but imagine this just for a moment. Somebody want, like, imagine saying a prayer. The Bible says he bent low in his face, he was bowing so low, his posture was that of battle. His, his, his posture actually, the Bible actually tells us, he took on a position or a posture of labor at the time. He took on a posture of labor, laboring with God, laboring with God, you have something you're going to give birth to. God, you have life that you're going to bring about. He takes up on a posture of labor is what the Bible tells us. So imagine this really quick. And if anybody wants to do it, if you're that flexible, go for it. But he says, he says, he took on a position. He bowed so low with his face between his knees. Notice Elijah didn't hear from God and then go off and eat and drink with the king. No. It says he, he went to the top of the mountain and he takes on this position of total humility, his face down, his his heart-focused, and he takes on this, this position of spiritual labor because he was asking God to do the extraordinary, right? He was asking God to do the miraculous, something they hadn't seen in three and a half years. 43, you ready? Then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I see nothing. Wouldn't it have been great news if it was like, boom, right? Oh, absolutely. It's like a tornado. There's all this stuff coming in. It's all rolling in. Elijah, you were right. You heard from God. No, what is the, the, the servant turned around. He went, he looked back. He came to Elijah and he said, I didn't see anything. So Elijah prays. And I think this is something we can all relate to. He prayed and nothing happened. He prayed and absolutely nothing changed. He prayed and he didn't see God move right away. But his head is down. He's still focused. He prayed, he prayed, and nothing happened. Has anyone ever done that? Being honest, right? We've prayed and God, what happened? Nothing happened. He was humble, he was specific. He knew God's promises. He kept God's covenant. He prayed. He positioned himself on the mountaintop. He got alone with God, and nothing happened. And the Bible says this. This is what I find interesting. Maybe Elijah is just one stubborn man when it comes to prayer. But the Bible says he did this, get this, church, seven times. The number biblically of completion, the number we love in Las Vegas, the number we put on Pastor Greg's Golden Knights jersey as a gift, right? But he prayed seven times. He, he did this, and he told the servant, I pray, go back and look. Nope, nothing. 
Go back and look. Nope, nothing. Go back and look. Seven times we get the, the repetition. Number, number three, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to spiritual things, spiritual in the heavenlies, contending, number three, would you write this down? Pray with persistence, then pray with more persistence. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Why? Does it mean every time we pray, it's, we're going to have our prayers answered? Not necessarily. But the Bible says this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James chapter 5. Elijah knows. He's like, God, you told me something in my spirit. God, you, you burst something in me. You're ready to do something. And he doesn't quit until he gets an answer. He doesn't stop till God answers. Verse 44. As we work through this, this, this chapter, finally the seventh time his servant told him, Elijah, I, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. This is an interesting, like, Elijah, I saw this little cloud out over the M Resort in the city of Las Vegas and I think it's so interesting because if you get into God's word, it goes right there. Look at what happens in verse 44. Elijah shouted, hurry up to the king. He gets bossy with the boss. He says, and tell him, hurry up to the king. Tell the king, stop eating, stop drinking, climb in your chariot and get back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. All Elijah needed to see was this little tiny cloud out over the South Point Casino. This little tiny cloud, and he's like, watch out. God's showing up. God's coming. God's moving. He expects this miracle, and he's like, he's eager. He's excited. And I love this story. I love this story. Elijah's shouting, hurry up to the boss. He's shouting, hurry up to the king. Can you imagine being in Las Vegas? Hey, there's a cloud over at the M Resort, and you know what? Get in your car and get home, because you're going to get stuck in the road in Las Vegas. We would look at you like you're crazy, right? There, there's, a, there's one cloud in the sky. Watch it. You better hurry home, King Ahab. You better get home in your chariots because there's one tiny cloud in the sky. Verse 45, here we go. Are you ready for it? Soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. And here it comes. The sky is turning dark, church. Verse 46, then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. I love this. It says, the Lord gave superpowers to Elijah. He gave him an adrenaline boost. He gave this old man a, a, a shot of something, right? The Lord gave special strength to Elijah. It says, he tucked in his cloak to his belt. And it says, he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. The Lord put this strength in Elijah. And I think it's so cool. The Bible says, Elijah just took off and started running. He, he beat the horses, he beat the chariot, he's so pumped up. It says not only did he run home to Jezreel, the, the journey is, it's believed, about a 15-mile trip that this man gets so jacked up that he just outpaces the horses all the way because he's so excited about, to see what God's about to do. Amazing, right? We read this story, and uh, Luke, would you come and close us on guitar? We're going to close today and I want to ask and, and sometimes we when we have these questions God have I ever seen a miracle like Elijah God have I ever seen you move like Elijah 
God, when will I see you answer that prayer like you answered it for Elijah? God, I've, I've prayed more than seven times for this situation. God, when have I ever seen you do for me what you did for those people? What you did for those people we read about. God, when have I seen effective prayers of righteous people? I want you to take a moment. Would you write a few things down? Because I kind of thought, look at your life. When was a time that you saw God move through the fervent, effective prayer of a righteous person? When you saw God move through the fervent, effective prayer of a church, of a people. I know, I, I think, man, I remember times where I had a brother who I, 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 I know he was saved from this car accident. Um, I have family members who their cancer was cured. I have team members on our staff who are currently cancer-free. God, when did I see you do a miracle? I remember my wife, one of our babies, it was like a week away from turning, and it was like, this baby needs to turn. Well, there's going to be some surgery. God, when did I see effective prayers of righteous people? And the reality is, I've seen them, but there's something in our hearts where it's like we miss them. We forget. We, we turn to something else that robs our attention. We turn to something else, those number two little G gods, and we don't realize we've seen the effective prayers of righteous people all over our, our life, all over our family. I remember, man, uh, I, 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 I remember seeing a family member that was healed and survived and broke addiction. God, I've seen you move. I've seen you move through the prayers of righteous parents, of righteous people in this church, right? And so I'd say this. Would you write this down? Commit to righteousness. Commit to prayer. Commit to making God first, and you will see the effective, fervent prayers come from that lifestyle. If you're here today and someone, man, maybe there's someone here today. You, you just, I heard a story yesterday of a diagnosis that was, in, 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 in earthly terms, unfortunate, right? Maybe you're here today and you need a miracle in your health. You need a miracle in your job. You need a, a miracle in a marriage. Maybe you're watching online and you're like, I don't even like going to church anymore because we need a miracle so bad at home in our marriage that I, I can't tell anybody about it. Maybe you need a miracle in your mindset. Maybe you need a miracle in your emotions. Well, here we go. I want to say this. Commit to righteousness, Right? I love those first few verses in Deuteronomy, if you remember. The verses where everything's going well, but it says this, honor me, follow me, make me number one. Commit to righteousness, commit to prayer, commit to a close proximity with God. How do we get in close proximity with God? We get into his manual. We get into his playbook for our life, right? So many times we might look at his playbook like a rule book where in essence when we have relationship we understand that these rules are based on relationship. They're not based on religion. They're based on what is actually good and a blessing for us. We get into his playbook. We get into his house. We get into his church. We get into times with meeting with fellow believers. Commit to righteousness. Would you write this down? Commit to righteousness. Commit to prayer. 
commit to being in close proximity with God. And the Bible says what happened for Elijah is available for us today. Someone say amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time in your word. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us recommit our lives to prayer. Uh, Maybe you're here today and you've been hurt, you've been frustrated, and it's just been a while since you've connected to God through prayer. I want to take a moment and just, can you just talk to him? And it might just feel awkward to be in a room this size, this many people, and a you know, soft guitar, and be like, I'm, it's just awkward because maybe you haven't talked to God in a while. Can we just take a few moments? I want to invite you. Let's, let's get a little uncomfortable. Let's commit to prayer this morning. Go ahead, just talk to him. been a while since you've connected to the Lord through prayer. Just just talk to him. Tell him you're frustrated. Tell him you're angry. Tell him you're hurt. He's a big God. He can handle all of that. Maybe you're here today and you stopped praying for someone or for something. You stopped taking on a humble posture of prayer because you just, you didn't see God do anything. maybe there's some of us here today and this is just kind of maybe there's some of us here today we need to just say God I ask you to re-energize my prayer life you've been following Christ for a long time God I ask you to re-energize my prayer life if that's you would you just we let's keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed but if that's you if that hits home in any way God I ask you to re-energize my prayer life would you just lift your hand today God, I ask you to re-energize my prayer life. Hmm. Maybe you're here today and you realize prayer sounds good. It sounds cool. It sounds like something you want to learn about, but the problem is you haven't been in a close proximity with God. Maybe you think you've been following him, but he isn't the Lord over your life. You know, it's, it's possible you can be in church, you can listen to a sermon online and not be following Jesus. You can be in church and not know Jesus. It's one thing I love about Elijah when it says he dropped his head, but he, he battled, he dropped his head down praying. He took on a posture of prayer. And the Bible uses a labor term. How many of you know simple biology really but in order to give birth to something you have to be pregnant with something you have to be filled with something right in order to give birth to God's promises fervent prayers we have to be filled with God you have to know him I want to close today and just say this Jesus loves you God sent his son Jesus He cares for you. He cares about your hurt. He cares about your pain. He cares about your questions. He cares so much. The Bible says that God sent his son Jesus to the earth for you, for me, for us to take sin, to take addiction, to take lust, to take a failing marriage, to take your struggle, to take broken relationships, to take that addiction to alcohol or whatever it is that you've been numbing with. The Bible says he came to take all that sin on himself 
And he went to the cross and died for us in replacement for us. And it's pretty good news. It's news like no other. And the Bible says three days he was in that tomb. And then the Bible says he rose again. The Bible says he was seen by many. The Bible says that he was seen by many and then he ascended. He ascended to the right hand of the throne of the Father and he makes appeals for us today. Jesus is pursuing us today. And if you're listening today, he's pursuing you today. Maybe you're listening online. Jesus is pursuing you today. The Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. And he knocks and he knocks. And his arms are open wide and he just says, come on, come to me. Let me in. I just want to tell you, if you're feeling something like, you're like I didn't think, I, I didn't know why I showed up to church, I didn't want to come to church, I want to tell you, like, that's, Jesus is pursuing you even right now. If you're feeling like, God, what is it? You're speaking to me. There's something weird going on inside me. That's Jesus speaking to you, appealing to you, pursuing a relationship with you, saying, I want to forgive you. I want, you, I want, I want to forgive you. I have forgiven you. Just come and acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. Bible makes us this promise. It says if we acknowledge Jesus before men, then he will acknowledge us before God the Father. That's a pretty amazing promise. I want to give you an opportunity today. One of the greatest ways we simply just do this, we just acknowledge him. We just lift our eyes and we lift our hand. I want to ask you, do you want to acknowledge Jesus today? If so, would you just lift a hand? Nothing crazy about it. Just lift a hand. One, two, and three. I'm going to just say One, two, three. Lift your hand up. You want to say, I acknowledge him because I want God the Father to acknowledge me. Amen. I see hands all over the building. I see some going up over here. Lift them up. Lift them up. I see you over there. God, we just want to acknowledge you. We say yes to you. Can we pray, church, as we close? God, I need saving. With our hands lifted up, those that made eye contact with me, God, I need saving. I need you. I need you to save me. I need you to change me. I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my big G, God the Father. Be my savior. Be my Lord. Help me live and activate my life. Help me live and activate my prayer life. Help me live for you. Help me serve you. In Jesus' name, can God's people, can we all say amen? Can we all say amen? Come on, church. We're going to cheer louder watching. uh, Yeah. You know we're going to cheer a lot louder watching football today, so I think we should at least give God like double our praise that we give to the Bills. Amen? Amen? Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.